0: season.
1: They were silent, surely it was through. Since when, as impossible, they ever stopped
0: to. Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty, too.
1: Since when, as impossible, they ever stopped to. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. And this is the praise, make a dead man walk again. in the grave, I'm coming out, I'm gonna live, gonna live again. And this is the sound of dry bones rattling.
0: I fire, stirring something
1: new You're not gonna run out of miracles anytime soon
0: Resurrection power runs in my veins too I believe there's another miracle here in this world This is the sound of dry This is the phrase, make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. And this is the sound of dry bones. Right
2: one of these welcome cards they're located right in front of you go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning
3: Good morning everybody! How are y'all doing today? Good to see all of you. And How many are happy we got some summer weather coming finally? Anybody? Well good. All right well tithe and offering if you have something to give you can go ahead and prep that. If you need an offering envelope look in the chair in front of you. If there's not one there wave your hand around and one of our great Ushers will help you out. Um, how many know that God is your provider? Amen. How, how many of you, how many of you could tell a story, or two stories, or three, how many could tell stories about how God has provided for you? Anybody, I'm saying, I'm, man, I'm telling you, I, we probably have a thousand stories in this room about the provision of God, but, but what does God teach us? In that he is a provider. That we ourselves are people who then give. That God is our provider because he is faithful in being our provider. In other words, he, he, he gives. God is a giving God. How I many you know that? And, and, and it's, not just, it's not just about finances, by the way. It's everything. And we were singing songs this day, you know, uh, today. The, the death of Jesus. The shedding of his blood on the cross. That's him giving of himself for us. He teaches us. A life of giving, right? And, and uh, one thing that happens with, with our, our tithe and our offering is the fact that there are things that we will always encounter in life that push back against not only who God is, but what he's trying to teach us to be. Right? How many know money can get that way? Because it, it's called greed. Greed. Right? It, it, money, if you're not careful, will take control of your life. Because now it's all about getting money and earning money and saving for money. And, 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 and when it gets that way, then something that could be good. Money is not necessarily bad in itself, but it can be the root of all kinds of evil. Right? But how many know money can be used for good things? And it can be used for good things as much as anything can be used for a good thing. But everything in life needs to be subservient. To what God is doing in you and one of the ways that God teaches us to keep money in his place is by teaching us to give because if he can teach you to give then then you're not always worried just about having money and, and gaining money and saving money and that, that it's not just giving in church but it's just the way you live when you're not in church right so as we give in our tithes and our offering this morning God is teaching us he is a giver We're to be a giver, and we'll never get to a place in our life where we can't be a giver because things have taken the wrong place in our life. You see what I mean? So when you give, you're actually giving in faith. It's a life of faith. Every time you give, you're just basically saying, I trust that God is my provider. Therefore, when I feel to give, I'm going to give because I just know he provides. And I'm never going to be short because when I give, he provides. Amen? All right, let's see. Hey, Christine, would you come pray over tithing and offering this morning? I'm gonna put her on the spot. Christine loves when I ask her to pray. She's just like, really? Then she tries to control herself, right? Because she 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 likes she likes to get up here and give the word. Is that right? She does. (laughs) Everybody bow your head. Man, thank you, Christine. If you have something to give, you can bring it on down and give it this morning. And while we're doing that, some uh, quick announcements. Hey, do you have uh, one of those baby bottles back there? Because I just want to show this in case somebody doesn't know what I'm talking about. Is there one still back in the back? Can, can you bring it up here, Nathan, for me, please? So I talk about baby bottles, you're like, what in the world are you talking about? So let me show you. Um, the Sycamore House, how many of you know the Sycamore House here in town, they, they do a great work, and uh, uh, they have passed out uh, these baby bottles, I know a lot of you have picked them up. Mike, do we have some extra back there? Oh, there's only a couple, okay. What they're asking is that, that you take these home and fill this with change, okay, then bring it back here by... Father's Day is the deadline, right, Mike? Okay, so Father's Day, and these are just donations for the Sycamore House, so uh, make sure you pick these up if you haven't yet. There's a couple back there, but don't forget, if you have one at home, keep filling them with change, and uh, we just want to, uh, at the church, bless them and uh, for the work that they do, and they're doing a good work in town, right? And, we've, and, and by the way, if you didn't know, as a church, we started a monthly donation to the Sycamore House just from us because we just want to continually support uh, what they're doing outside of their own fundraisers. So if you have questions about that, you can see me. So Father's Day, which is... Is it next Sunday? Two, two Sundays. Okay, so these are due by Father's Day on the 20th. Your Sawyer catch that for me. Thank you. All right, so a, a couple other announcements is... Um, yes, our Vacation Bible School is coming up. Camp Promise Rock. I hope you guys are excited about this. Um, because I'm a, we're going to see how excited you are here in just a minute. So... Um, <laughs> Our Vacation Bible School is Monday, the 28th of June, Tuesday, the 29th, and then Wednesday, the 30th, 6 to 8 p.m. each night. Um, we're actually going to, if weather permitting, we're going to do it out here on the front yard because we're going to be inviting the town out to it. This is our first kind of outreach into the neighborhood uh, since we've been here, uh, meeting the church. So a uh, couple things. A, this Tuesday, two days from now, at 6 p.m., we'd like to flyer the neighborhood. Go knock on the doors and give them a flyer of the Vacation Bible School. So if you can be here Tuesday night at six o'clock, and I'm going to guess maybe for an hour and a half, we'll just uh, not, and we'll see how far we get, and we don't get everywhere we need to be just in in the radius of a church here. We'll come back another day. So if you can be here at six o'clock on Tuesday, we'd love to help, and just go knock on doors, introduce ourselves to the church. Uh, We're still sort of new here. They know Uh, Obviously, the senior center has been here for years, and they still uh, are here running their offices, but they may not know that we're here. So we want to let them know that we're here, but also we want to invite them out to the Vacation Bible School. So Tuesday, 6 o'clock for that. But then secondly, Al or Mike has a sign-up sheet, um, and what this is is this is for help for the Bible School. So uh, Pastor Jared Kaiser, who's the children's pastor at the Kenton Campus of Only Believe, he's coming to put this on. He wrote the Bible School. He's going to put it on, but we're going to help him. So this sign-up sheet's going to go around. So if you can help uh, at certain specific things, and there's different roles that help out, just read down through there and sign up. Now, here's the thing. If you put your name by something and you don't clarify it, I'm assuming you'll do that role Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But if you can do something but only sign up, it's only for Monday, then put by your name Monday or whatever. So that way we know we have it all filled in. Uh, for that week, so we need your help, not only flyering on Tuesday, but to help put the Bible school on, so our kids will be there, and you know, that's already a bunch, right, but then if you have a bunch of kids come out from town, there'll be a lot of kids here, so we need your help, so you're, I, I know, I think it was last year, we had a meeting about outreach, remember, and we talked about different things, and and uh, that was even before, I think we, well, maybe it was at the time we were looking into purchasing the building, but I know a lot of people are excited about outreach, but what better way to do outreach than right in the town you're in with the children of the neighborhood? How many know what I'm talking about? So let's be a part of this and sign up for that. And lastly, the other announcement before we get into uh, the word today is uh, in July, there is a youth camp for uh, young people, fifth through eighth grade, and then a separate camp for ninth through twelfth graders. So the first thing you do is a flyer on that backboard with a little bit of information. Next Sunday... Right after church, I'm clear to do this, right? This is off the top of my head. Right after church, we will have a meeting about youth camp, what's going up. So if you're interested in your young person going to youth camp, and youth camp is put on by uh, the Botkins campus, uh, Pastor Tim over there. He's been here with our young people before. I will be at the youth camp one night of each, each uh, time it is. So if you're interested in that, next Sunday, right after church, we'll have a meeting about it, and I'll give you all the information. So if you have questions about any of that, you can see me. All right, let's get our Bibles out. If you have your Bible, go ahead and get it out. We've well, got it on your phone or however you got it. We are, by the way, Wednesday night, we're going to continue in our series, Dealing with Struggle. And uh, I, I hope that that series is beneficial to you. Um, so Wednesday night, we're talking about dealing with struggle, struggle different aspects of, of struggle that we experience in life and what's that mean and what what... Uh, God is doing in the midst of it. But I want you to remember this. Everybody listen. God is with you. God, he's for you. And God is working for your good. How many of y'all believe that? Listen. But you got to believe it when it doesn't feel like he's with you. (laughs) And when when it doesn't feel like he's for you. And when it doesn't seem like anything's working out. You've got to come back to to God is with me, and God is for me, and God is working for my good, and all things are possible for those who believe. And you stand in that, and you believe that, amen? All right, the parables of Jesus, Matthew chapter 13 and verse uh, number 24 is where we're at today. So we've been doing the series, the parables of Jesus, for a while, now. I think this is part five, and there's a lot of parables in the Gospels that Jesus uh, told. And uh, we're, we're not gonna go through all of them, it would take us a long time, but we're, we're kinda uh, picking and choosing our way through to different parables in the Gospels. And, and a lot of them center around a, a statement that starts like, that the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like, that's interchangeable. That the parables, in a large part, paint a picture of the kingdom of God. Okay? What is the kingdom of God? And I, I've been saying this a lot, so hopefully it's just starting to sink in a little bit. The kingdom of God is, in essence, God coming back to reclaim his lost creation. How I many know oh, God made things good? How I many know oh, we messed it up? Okay, yeah, so, but here comes God, and he, he's coming to reclaim his lost creation. Why? Because he loves it. Are we thankful that when we messed it up, God just didn't say, okay, whatever, and can kind of punish and let fate take its course, in which is just destruction, right? But God is coming to reclaim his creation, and that's what the kingdom of God is about. And, and it's, uh, when we say the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, that's language that would have made more sense to those in the time period he was talking. But in other words, it's just saying this, that with Jesus, and Jesus inaugurates the kingdom of God, Jesus comes... And in his ministry and his teaching and then with his death and his resurrection, he inaugurates God reclaiming his lost world. Amen. That's what what Jesus was up to. But guess what? That's what God is still up to. When Jesus ascended, he sent who? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's work in the world is to continually work on the reclaiming of God's creation, the kingdom of God, the advancement of the kingdom of God, right? And the kingdom of God is not necessarily literal borders and boundaries and specific people, but for whoever would believe, no matter wherever you are in this world, that's where the kingdom of God is at work. So Jesus in the parables is kind of painting a picture. If you start put, it's like putting puzzle pieces together of the ongoing picture he's painting to give a big idea of what the kingdom of God is like. So that's what the parables do. And the parables, uh, they're, they're not these nice, perfect, neat, theological boxes that tell the whole story in one parable. Kind of gives it in parts. That's why you kind of put it together to see. As Jesus said in the parable, of so he who has ears, let him hear. Now I know everybody here has ears. Now here's what I know everybody can hear. But are you hearing? You see what I'm saying? There's a difference. Is, is it getting, is it taking root right here? And, and the kingdom of God then does its work when we do that. So today, the parable of what's called the weeds, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 24. Let's, let's read this together. And then, then he actually, uh, he doesn't often explain the parables, but in this case he did. And we'll read that also. Matthew 13, 24. And he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared, or appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your fields? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and, and, and gather them? In other words, gather up the weeds. But he said, No, less than gathering the weeds, you root up the weed along with them. Let them both grow until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So he tells this parable after the parable of the sower, which we covered. Then, then he follows into it the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast working through the dough. And we talked about that not long ago. So he's coupling together this idea that the kingdom of God works like a seed. It's something that may seem insignificant in size but it bears something great and worthwhile that's the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is always sown by what the word the gospel right that's how the kingdom starts and it seems insignificant but it changes everything that's what the kingdom does now Jesus uh, went on to explain this parable Verse 36, if you want to jump there, stay in Matthew 13. Verse 36, Then then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. And the weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy has sown them, Uh, So them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So Jesus is just kind of laying this out. And just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Again, he who has ears, let him hear. Don't just hear it, but let this start to get inside of you. Now, we like to hear the nice things that Jesus says. Don't you see what I'm saying? But sometimes when it comes to what we would consider some of the hard things of Jesus, we kind of like to push it off to a side. Let's just stay in the nice stuff. Let's just stay in the stuff that sounds good. Let's just stay in the stuff that will attract people to church and, 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 and not let them get upset at me when I talk about Jesus and the gospel and the end of the age, you know, with, with, with my friends or coworkers. But you've got to give the whole picture. And this parable is one of those that kind of gives the whole picture because the ending of it is an ending that's good for everybody Is that correct and you you can't you can't sugarcoat this and put this away and just make it nice that you stop talking about that part of it right so let's talk about this parable for a minute the kingdom of God is seed sown it's good seed by the way right one who is sowing it, as, as uh, uh, Jesus says, the Son of Man, it is Jesus. In other words, it is the gospel. It is the good news of Jesus Christ for anyone who believes. In it is the forgiveness of sin. In it is the freedom from sin. In it, that is we see in the end of this parable, is life everlasting. It's good seed. Now, see, God is active. What we were saying before, God is active. And what is so wonderful about our Creator is that, again, He didn't leave His creation just to fall into fate because of sin, which would end in total destruction, but He has come to save His creation. Listen, God loves you. God is interested in you. He's interested in us as individuals, but you know what? He loves his entire creation. You you know, at the end of all things, he's making a new heaven and new earth. You you jump up and down. This is all going to be made new. He loves the whole deal. And as he put us us on this in goodness, and there was the interaction of heaven and earth that was was broke because of sin, he's going to mend that. And whatever all that looks like, God loves you. He's going to make all things new, and you get to be in on it. That's good seed. And you can rest assured, if you have received the gospel, and remember the parable of the sower, it is growing in you. Right? You are his. You belong to him. Right? And it cannot be taken away. Right? Right? That you are strong in him, you're blessed in him, you're provided in him, and all these different things, what it means to be in him. You're connected. You're his. Be confident. In other words, find assurance that I am a child of God. And in me, he is doing only what he can do. We were singing that song, Graves in the Gardens. You realize the death of sin is being cultivated by the wonderful gardener into this wonderful new creation inside of you. Right? That's, that's what he's up to. And he's doing the whole thing in the, in the entire world. That's what he's doing. But we belong to him, so it's good seed and good soil receives it. And by the way, it doesn't matter. Remember the parable of the sower? You could be growing in a way that's 30 fold, you could be growing in a way that's 60 fold or you could be growing in ways 100 fold but the thing is you're growing and it's good you'll be harvested i don't i don't think those are very specific. i don't sometimes people think they think about it and they're giving well if, if i really have faith i uh, you know I'll, I'll grow from being 30 for like they want to multiply times 30 and don't do that There's Jesus just way of jesus showing progression that we grow in him. And no matter where you're at in the process, just new or been in a long time, you are harvestable by the creator. Amen. Find confidence in that. But as we know that God is active in the world, so is the enemy. Is that true? And, and while God's so seed in the parable, they all went to sleep and it wasn't because of the neglect, but the, the enemy is sneaky. Is he not? The enemy is deceitful. Is he not? As a matter of fact, what the word weeds here, it carries the connotation that there is a weed that is similar in looking to the wheat that is sown. The devil is deceptive. Right? As a matter of fact, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4, jump over there real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4. Get there real fast. It says, In in their case, the God of this world, that's the devil, that's the enemy, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That that is what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to blind the minds of unbelievers so they do not walk into the gospel and the glory of God, therefore, and be saved. So he's out there. He's active, too. Don't forget this. As much as God is active, so is the enemy. Now, here's what happens. So you got this weed... Growing and the wheat's growing, and, and you can think of it those who, who are, are saved in Jesus and those who are not. So we, so we have this, this both action of growing in our world. How many know you've seen it? So those, those in the parable said, So you want us to go and gather up all the weeds and just get them out of the way? And, and the one who said, said, No, let's not do that. But let me just say something about the weeds that are growing. Let's be careful. That we don't have this attitude that we're the, weed, we're, we're the weed, us, and they are the weeds, them. See what I'm saying? And, and you bring this idea, and, and it, it turns into pride. Remember the parable we talked about of the Pharisee and the, and the tax collector? And the Pharisee in his pride went before God and prayed about all the good things he was. And and, the tax collector uh, was too ashamed even to go in and pray. He wouldn't even look up to God in his prayer. And Jesus said, Who went home justified in that situation? Well, certainly not the prideful Pharisee. You can't look at the world with an us and them, us versus them, us better than them mentality. Because I know there's a lot of you in here at once, you were a weed too. Because sometimes we, we get it like this. Well, I just wish God would come and give them theirs. And we're just, we're just mad about the sin in the world. We're mad about things that are happening. We're mad that they're doing this and that. And they're having their, their, their months and their parades. And we, we just get all mad about it. We just wish the fire of God would come down and just burn them all up. Give them theirs. How many know what I'm talking about? Do you remember when Jesus was rebuffed by the Samaritan town and James and John, the sons of thunder were with them. And they asked to call down fire from heaven to burn them up. They deserve to get judgment now because they won't receive us. And the King James actually has an interesting line. It says when Jesus rebukes them, he says to them, you don't know what spirit you are of. When we look at the world and and we see what is lost and sinful in the world, and you can't not see it, right? We can't start looking at it with judgment, get them out of here, burn them up, because you end up being not of a spirit of the Holy Spirit. A different kind. You don't know what spirit you're of, and it's not the Holy Spirit. What should cause you to do is turn around and look at what? Compassion. Right, Because if, if the ending of this parable is true, then this is serious stuff. right? And it should drive us with compassion to those that are lost, the weeds of the world. Now, at the end of the parable, there is going to be judgment. But you understand something. It is absolute perfect judgment that this happens in. I don't believe any of us here have the capability to exercise absolutely perfect judgment. How many know what I'm saying? So we should step back from saying, well, they deserve this, and they should get this, and I don't know why God just doesn't judge them now, and I don't know why God... Well, you let God be God, and you be you, and what's he called you to do, don't judge him, but be a light to the world. You're not called to condemn the world. You're called to take the gospel to the world. You are part of the seed sowing process because God has the capability of changing a weed into a wheat. Now, how many know He did that for you? So, how, how do you know that when you were, if, if you were an open sinner? That there wasn't some cagey Christian standing in the background. I wish they'd get theirs. I wish God would come down and judge them. I wish he'd just burn them up. Well, thank goodness God didn't listen to them. You know what I mean? Thank goodness in his grace and his mercy and his patience, he was working towards you and, try, and, and, and people praying. for However your salvation happened, should we not have the same attitude towards those around us? Amen? Now, in the way you live, it should be distinguishable that you are a weed and not a weed. Right? If, some, if somebody was to watch your life, you go, I really don't know, weed or weed? I'm not sure about this. It shouldn't be that way. You can't be a light of the world when you're like the world you're trying to be a light to. So there is a way of living, right? But in your way of living, it's not prideful position. But as Jesus said, we're we're a serving people that brings light to the world. People should only find it hard to follow Jesus because the merits of Jesus make it hard by itself, not because we make it hard, Right? So our attitude towards those around us needs to be correct. So we're waiting. And we're waiting for this return of our harvest that, um, that says this. That in God's wisdom, we are in an age of the wheat and the weed growing together. That's in God's wisdom and in God's fulfillment of time. All things must be fulfilled before the next things come. We are in the church age, started on the day of Pentecost. We live in the apostolic age. We live in the church age. But part of this is that these things happen together until Jesus comes again. But God is doing his work even though it seems overwhelmingly that things are not happening that are good with God and his wisdom that we are in this age, but then there's a time that this happens. Let's look at verse number 40. Let's go back there. In verse 40 of Matthew 13, just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not a very nice picture. And when it comes to these things, this is where we can't sugarcoat the words of Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, I've come to a place in my life that I love people enough that I wish this wasn't true. Can I say that without you taking me the wrong way? But God's... Wisdom is much higher than my thoughts. And a just God will judge justly. So this picture of the kingdom, see, see the kingdom is at work now, but this is a parable of the picture of the kingdom, of the finality of the coming of the kingdom. Now remember, the kingdom is now, but not fully yet, right? And this is a picture of the fulfillment of when the kingdom comes in its fullness. And when the kingdom comes in its fullness, when, when Jesus returns, there will be a judgment of those on the earth. And this is, again, where, where it's not always easy to talk about, but it's the truth of the fullness of the picture. And those who are weeds, those who are lost, they will be bound together and placed in a place where it says there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, go back to what I was saying earlier compassion for those around us should rise up within you when you see scriptures like this versus the hope of angry judgment. Because if this is true, this is serious, and it's real. That there is a final judgment for those who will not believe. And I don't know about you, but I don't desire that end for anybody. That we are people that are driven by compassion. If if, if you realize what it means for what God has done for you, that you would want that for anybody that you know, family members, people you work with, Quaint, you're talking the person you pass on the street. Everybody is a person of dignity that deserves the salvation of God if they will respond. I take it back. We don't necessarily deserve it. But God gives it in such a way that he wants us to live in it. Let's put it that way. But everybody you know, everybody you meet, compassion rises up because we don't want this to be the end. Amen. That's why we're a light of the world. We're we're a city on a hill to be seen. But for those beyond that, verse 43, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. That that verse should, should make you excited. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. See, as much as God... We believe that God can bless us now. This, this is a drop in the bucket to the reward of eternal life. Then the right, how, how many of y'all are righteous? You say, well, I don't know. Are you saved? Do you believe? Yeah. Okay, you're righteous. All right, I understand. You're not perfect, but we're righteous. Then the righteous will shine like the sun with their Father, and it just goes on. New heaven, new earth, all things made new. Amen. There's our reward. So Jesus is coming back. There will be a separation. There will be judgment. And there will be an eternity. You can't talk about the kingdom of God and not give the picture of what it is like in the end because it is unfulfilled. What we're seeing today is what should compel us not only to live our own life as a wheat, because I, w- I want to be harvested and go that way, but share the gospel with those who need to hear it. Amen. So, so while I was talking. I totally forgot about this during announcements. You, you got a little, uh, little thing. Let me see one of those real fast. This is not the gospel. This is just simply a church invite card. When you come here, I'll I'll share the gospel with them. That's why I'm confident you can give it to somebody. But here's what I'd like to do. Maybe maybe to stir some compassion in you. I want you to take this home. And I want you to think about somebody. Maybe the first person that pops in your mind that you're like, man, I really don't want to see them in hell. Who is that? Take this. I want you to pray about it. Pray. And at some point, I want you to take this to that person and say, hey, you know what? I know my, I've, I've told you about Jesus before. I even told you about my church. But you know, what? i really like you to come to church with me. I'll pick you up. I'll meet you at the front door. They actually give free coffee. It's amazing. You know, come to church. <laughs> they got stuff for the kids. There's a full kids' church happening. You know, all the, bring somebody to church. Maybe just the way. If you can start with one person, just one, that's one life you can affect for eternity, right? So let's pray as a church. And it's just simple. It's just a thought, all right? You don't have to do this. Throw that thing away. I don't care. But be a light. You don't have to use the car. Be a light. Share the gospel, right? Amen? Amen. All right. Let's see what God can do with us and through us, right? All right. We're going to close out this morning with... With taking of communion, the ushers are going to come down and uh, put it out before us. While they do that, I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and read what Paul has to say about the partaking of communion, the Eucharist. That That word Eucharist means thanksgiving. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Oh, I'm sorry, that's 1 Corinthians 11. There we go. And verse number 23, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three says, For I received from the Lord that I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For often as you drink, eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27 though, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. That a person examine himself then so to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So there, there is the wonder of the ongoing command of Jesus to eat of the bread and drink of the cup in remembrance of his death and the shedding of blood on the cross. Broken bodies shed blood. But we don't fool around with this. You realize these things are sacred. Now, we're, if you hadn't noticed, we're a Pentecostal church. You notice know, I'm not up here in a suit and a tie. You know, and we're, we're not all, we're, we're not very high church with liturgy and things like this. Okay? I actually like some of that stuff. I just, it's my per But we're not, like, we're, we're Pentecost, we're a little more free in our spirit, you know what I'm saying? But never to the place that we lose the sacredness of our worship, of our gathering, and the taking of communion together. These are sacred things. We don't mess with this. So I, in a moment when you come down to take the elements, take them back and see if we have some of this stuff that's still the package stuff where you can do this stuff that's, that's kind of free and loose here that yeah, you would examine yourself if there's anything in you that you say Lord I just need forgiven of this in my life this sin, and I'm, I'm aware of it I've been convicted, Lord Jesus Christ Son of God have mercy on me a sinner forgive me my sins You examine yourself before you partake today, because this is sacred and this is holy. The Word is sacred and holy. Our worship is sacred and holy. And whenever we do this, this is the high point of our Sunday. Amen. So this morning, if you would, if you would stand up on your feet and and kind of make your way down and filter around the side, you can grab your elements, you can take them back to your seat, and we'll partake together in just a moment. representative of the body of the Lord, broken and bruised for us, that he willingly went to a cross to pay the wages of sin, which is physical death, in our place, as the scriptures say, that in all the sins were born to his body on that cross. Jesus, we remember your death on the cross, the willingness of your sacrifice, receiving the penalty for our sins. And Lord, we stand in wonder, we stand in awe, we stand in maybe not even fully understanding your love you have loved us so much that you came to this earth in purpose to die on the cross and we thank you for that and we partake this morning in remembrance of it partake together Lord Jesus, that on that cross, when your body was broken and and bruised, your blood was shed. In the shedding of your blood, we can find the forgiveness of our sins. For what can wash away our sins, nothing but the blood of our wonderful Savior, Jesus. Your blood in forgiveness of our sins, the setting free of our sins, the living of new life, we find it in that. So this morning, as we partake of the cup together, we do it in remembrance of the shedding of your blood. Let's partake together. And just for a moment, just before we we leave this morning, just for a moment. I just want you to personally thank Jesus for what he's done for you. The forgiveness of your sins and, and the new life that he's bringing you, his patience and mercies. Just, just thank him for a moment. We praise you today, Jesus, we worship you. You are worthy, Father, you're worthy. And Lord, I thank you for the work of the cross, for what it means for each one of us, Now we live each day in it, we don't take it for granted, but we learn how to live in response to your love and your grace and your mercy. We learn how to follow you. So we thank you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, for the glory of you, Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. All right, well. Thank you so much for coming today. I, I have something to tell you. Next week, we'll be here again. You're allowed to come back. You can bring somebody with you. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Uh, be here next Sunday 10 a.m. It was a blessing to have you today. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you again soon.